Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. Just me to share a few things about the conference that I just went to this last few days in Colorado Springs. Um, this is a follow-up to the turnaround conference that was done in Washington, D.C. I can't remember how many months ago that was. But um, this conference was called Ford. So I, I think the point is we've turned around. Now we're moving forward. Um, this was quite an experience. You know, in addition to Dutch Sheets, who um, <laughs> wasn't able to deliver his message because of some technical difficulties uh, Thursday night, um, and because the Lord came. And touched us all. Um, the next couple of days, or day and a half, were filled with a number of speakers, including Lou Engel, Chuck Pierce, Tim Sheets, who is Dutch Sheets' brother, um, a couple of guys in, in uh, Dutch's Apostolic Network, um, as well as one of his spiritual sons, and Dutch's spiritual father, um, Jim Hodges, is an apostle who's been mentoring Dutch for the last 40 years. Um, so we're able to hear all these men speak, and there are others. Um, One of the sessions was including Dutch's daughter. Um, she's been working with him for a number of years and has helped to organize the conferences. And kind of the uh, person behind the scenes, so to speak, getting things all set up. But she is a, have you heard the term millennial? person in the age group of, um, I don't know what that is exactly these days, um, but the younger generation. One of the things that came across very strongly this, in this conference is that when the Jesus movement happened back in the 60s, The generation, I'm going to use the phrase in power, in control of the church, rejected them. They did not welcome them in because they were different. So there was a disconnect between the generations. And we lost what God had begun to do, what God wanted to do to bring this nation back to where he wants it to be. 
Do you remember her name? Thank you. Hannah is quite a young lady. So I would guess her to be in her early 30s, perhaps. Um, but she spoke about what her generation needs and what it has to offer. And she talked about four generations. Some of us are the prophet generation. We are those who are a little older, who have the wisdom of life and the knowledge of the Word of God. We've been walking with God for a while. But like it or not, at some point, our time will end. 30 years from now, I probably won't be very active if I'm alive. Because <laughs> so I'll be 96 at that time. I might have 10, 20, 25 years maybe, I don't know. And I don't intend to draw back until I'm done. Here's the thought I want to leave with you. That generation needs us. And we need them. They are the hero generation. They're They're the generation that's going to take what has been given to us and carry it into the future. But we have a responsibility to equip them and release them. So I want to encourage you to begin thinking of yourself as a spiritual father and mother, or mother and ask yourself, what can I give to the next generation? How do you want me to interact with this generation? Because here's a, here's a key thought. God will evaluate my life not merely on the basis of what I have done but what I've passed on to the next generation. If my children and my grandchildren step into their destiny and their calling from God I will, be a, I will have been a success. I do not want to be like Eli whose sons were wicked who abused their position of authority. Even King David, many of his sons, did not follow in his footsteps. So the question for us is, what will I impart to the next generation? How do you want me to interact with this next generation? That they, see, the time is coming when they will take over. And Hannah said, we're not ready yet. We know that. But we need you to come alongside us. She said it so much better than I am. But they need us to come alongside them and stand with them and begin to release them into the destiny and calling that God has on their lives so that the kingdom of God will move forward. I kind of feel like we've been drinking from a fire hydrant. 
uh, fire hose. There's so much. We did get the conference on DVD, so we don't have it yet. It's going to be shipped to us. But after we have a chance to hear that again, or perhaps again, and maybe again, I'm sure there are some things in there that God may want to pass on to you. But that's at this point, that's all I really feel prepared to share. Thanks, Ernie. Amen. <laughs> uh, that's that's the worst part about being deceived, is you don't know you're deceived. If you knew it, you wouldn't be deceived. Yeah. So, uh, I read uh, the Give Him 15 from Dutch Sheets today, and... Uh, it was pretty powerful, and it, it really relates to what Arnie was sharing. Um, I think Jeremiah Johnson wrote this for Dutch today. I had a powerful prophetic dream where I saw hundreds of one-on-one -on -one gatherings of fathers and sons. Most of the sons were in their 20s and 30s, and the fathers were in their 50s and 60s. The gatherings were all the same. The fathers began to ask the sons how they were doing. Immediately, the sons began to list all their accomplishments and all the successes they recently had. And the fathers immediately rebuked the sons for their pride and arrogance. Every single meeting resulted in a shouting match. In the dream, I was overcome by deep grief watching all of this. Intense heartache and pain gripped me to my core. What happened next caused me to intensely weep in the dream. A man glowing with bright light, a long white robe and a golden sash around his shoulder appeared on the scene. His hair, facial features, and eyes were stunningly beautiful. He walked up and began to place his hand on each of the father's shoulders and say, Are you listening to the cry of your son? This is not pride and arrogance that you are hearing, but a deep need to be validated and affirmed by you. Suddenly the beautiful man pulled a large bottle of liquid honey out of his white robe and poured it on the head of the father's. Tears began to stream down their faces, and they wept. The beautiful man held each of the fathers in his arms and said, Even as my father has loved, validated, and affirmed me as his son, so I give to you this same grace now to love, validate, and affirm your sons. What your earthly fathers could not do for you I am now releasing in the earth for the fathers and sons. We must walk together in greater measure than ever before. And uh, he shared Malachi 4, 5, and 6. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming 
of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to the fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. That's good, huh? So, Phil, I, I call you forth. Just stand up. Uh, I bless you as a spiritual father. That the Lord, as the Lord is pouring into you, uh, He would have you pour into others and, and be a spiritual father. Yes, I, I know it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. 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 Yep. And Arnie, you know. You're a spiritual father. And the Lord's going to take you into a new level of that. And I feel like that's very soon. Uh, he's he's going to give you opportunities that, that you hadn't seen coming for that. Daniel, you may be uh, may not be a spirit or a natural father yet, uh, but that uh, spiritual father mantle is very much on you. Uh, and uh, what I what I said to Ernie that that really applies to you as well. Uh, you're you're beginning to step into that, and as as you step more into that, the Lord will open more doors for you. Yeah. <laughs> and Brian? <laughs> uh, I see the Lord giving you more opportunities also as a spiritual father. Uh, even in the workplace. Uh, and uh, you, you have been a spiritual father in, in ways that you haven't even recognized. In, in the way that you are planting seeds continually and, and giving glory to the Lord. Uh, you, you have been fathering people spiritually that, that you didn't even know. And Eric, um, <clears throat> there's a, a mantle on you also 
to be a spiritual father to more than your children. And you are a spiritual father to your children. Uh, but, but the Lord is, is going to take you further. <laughs> yeah, it stretches me too. <laughs> well, are we ready to uh, prophesy over Billy and my mother? Charlie, I've got something for you too, but I'm going to give it to you later. Well, Tell you what, I'll go first, because I have one word for both of them. And then uh, whoever wants to go next over one of them can, uh, <laughs> can decide that. So uh, this is for you, Billy, and for you, Mom. Uh, you both have... Uh, You've experienced a lot of pain and disappointment. Um, but the Lord has more healing for, for you. Physical and spiritual healing. He has more for you. And... For both of you, your your identity is not in the pain and disappointments. Your your identity is in the Father, in His love for you. His acceptance of you and His plans for you. That's, that's where your identity is. Uh, so do not allow yourself or the enemy to try to define you by pain and disappointment. Because that's not who you are. That is exact words that I had for both of you. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord gave me the scripture in Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. I decree and I declare, Billy 
and Doris for restoration and for healing of the broken heart and the disappointments. And I speak life into each one of you. And Father God, right now, I just lift them up and I ask God for you to breathe into them. And God, I pray for hope to arise in them. I pray, God, that your kingdom come and that your will would be accomplished in them on earth as it is in heaven. And Father, right now, I just pray for each of their destinies that would come forth in the mighty name of Jesus, that they would fulfill the destiny that God has fulfilled, that God wants you to fulfill in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. When I would pray for each of you, the Lord kept reminding me that he was faithful. He's your faithful provider, always. Even though it may not always seem that way. And um, even though life has been difficult at times, your love for him is so precious to him. You would still hold fast to him in love. Psalm 91 14 says, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. And though you may not always know it or feel it or sense it, Zephaniah 3.17 is what's happening over you in the heavenlies. Zephaniah 3.17 says, the Lord your God is in your midst a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. That's his emotions for you. Oh, sorry. Yep, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. In Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong and have good courage. He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. See, the other end was the Father in heaven in all our delays. May we trust you. Your, may we trust your faithful hand of guidance in all our delays and experience your presence with us in every situation. So for both of you, if there are anything that happens, but thank you. The Lord gave me Isaiah 58 and 11. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfies your soul and strengthen your bones and shall be like watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And he also gave me Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. Thought it would fit both of you. <laughs> uh, yesterday at the healing room, when they were praying for Billy, and I sensed that the Lord was saying, Brian's been, his knees have been hurting him. And I sensed the Lord saying, if he prays for her knees, I'll heal him. And I told him, go pray for her knees. And now this morning he says, he's, he's healed, so praise the Lord. 
stories. This morning when I was praying for you, I really felt the Lord saying, this is, this is from the Lord to you. My beloved daughter, Doris, in the quietness of your new day, I am calling to you. I am stirring up those dormant places and bringing them alive. My word is medicine to your flesh. Let my words penetrate deep within your body. You are mine and I am yours. Love Jesus. And then I got the Proverbs 4, 20 to 23, but I'm not gonna read it all, but it says, my daughter, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and help to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. I love you, Doris. You are my dear friend. Billy Jean, as you are growing in the Lord and yielding to the healing he has for you, you will look back and say, yes, Lord, I've come far. And then you will say, and I will continue to go forward in the things of the Lord. And then the scripture verse I got for you was Philippians 4, 4 through 8, but I'm going to read 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Love you, Billy Jean. I just have one scripture, and it's for you both. And it's in 1 Thessalonians, and it starts at verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but hold, but test everything and hold fast what is good. This is for both of you. The Lord told me he loves you very much. He said, whatever trials you're going through, focus on him, not the problem. Because he loves you guys, and he's always with you. He'll never leave and forsake you. He'll never do that. So keep your focus on the Lord, whatever you do. Both of you, keep your eyes on me, says the Lord. I'm not finished with you yet. But this is for both of you, too. Um, and it always speaks to me. It's Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into your hearts by his Holy Spirit 
whom he has given you. So keep hope alive. God wants you to know that, that not only can you have faith in him, but you can hope in his promises and, and in his love. Amen. Doris, I feel that sometimes you get down and you think there's not much that I can do for God. And God says that's completely wrong. You need to get rid of the limits you have on yourself because he's not done with you. You need to press into him and focus on him, and he's going to surprise you big time. And, Billy, for you, what I see is I see like an old bone arrow target, the ones with the black and white rings, and it's got this center bullseye. And you're happy and everything. You're tippy-toeing around the very outside rings. And you're thinking, yeah, I've made it, God. This is where you want me to be. But God's like, no, I want you in the middle. And he's going to take you to that place in the middle. And it, it, it deals with your identity, and it deals with what he has for you to do. And right as you're going around the outside, you're spending a lot of energy. And you get tired and worn out and all that because you're not exactly where God wants you to be yet. And he's going to take you to that center. And when you get there, it's going to be a place of rest. And you're going to be able to do everything and take care of everything because you're in the center of everything. Goodness is for both of you. I want you to picture yourself as a little girl. Sitting on the father's lap. Just sitting on the father's lap and being loved by him. Kingdom of heaven comes to those who have a childlike faith. So don't worry about acting your age. Don't worry about being dignified. Just revel in the love of God. same time, I think it's important that we tell you that we want to honor you. We want to live in a culture of honor. But we want to honor both of you as spiritual mothers. And we want to respect what you have to say and what you have learned throughout your lifetimes. Not that you have to be perfect and have to have all the answers because we know you don't. We don't either. None of us do. But God has taught you things that we need to know. So we just draw on you. We want to see the full character of the Lord Jesus Christ revealed through you, revealed in you. So we honor you. We receive from you. We're not putting you on a shelf somewhere. Okay? We're not going to isolate you and ship you out to pasture. Okay? 
you're part of us. And we need what you have. Jeremiah 17, 14 says, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. For you are my praise. Well, I think I'm going to give you part of the message <laughs> that I was planning for today. Uh, <clears throat> otherwise, we're going to be here past lunch. Uh, <clears throat> and it is Father's Day. So, um, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the self-life and specifically the, the necessity of overcoming self. Uh, in most of the modern Bible translations, uh, the self-life is translated flesh and uh, I think self-life is a lot more descriptive uh, because we won't be delivered from it until we're convinced that we need to be delivered from it uh, because we, we won't seek to be delivered from it until we really are convinced that, that we need to be delivered from it. And, and the thing is that uh, the self-life is, is the root of why Satan was kicked out of heaven. consider that he probably was a very high ranking angel uh, possibly even one of the worship leader angels in heaven uh, very beautiful but but created to live life unto God. And that also is how you and I as humans were created to live. We were, we were created to live in communion with God. And we were created to live our lives unto God. Uh, well, the problem with Satan, uh, he began to take his eyes off the glory of God and look at himself. And, and I believe it began in his, in his thought life. And, and we're given this passage in Isaiah 14 that I'm, I'm going to read this morning. And it's not real clear 
whether this passage that is descriptive of Satan, whether it begins in verse 10 or whether it begins in verse 12. Uh, I'm going to start in verse 10 and you can make your own determination. Uh, the punctuation in the ESV makes it appear that it probably starts in verse 12 but some other translations uh, make it look a little different that it actually starts in 10. All of them will answer and say to you, you too have become as weak as we. You have become like us. Your pomp is brought down to Sheol. The sound of your harps Maggots are laid as a bed beneath you, and worms are your covers. And here's verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of the dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. Those who see you will stare at you and ponder over you. Is this the man who made the earth tremble? Who shook kingdoms? Who made the world like a desert and overthrew its cities? Who did not let his prisoners go home? All the kings of the nations lie in glory, each in his own tomb. But you are cast out away from your grave, like a load branch. Clothed with the slain, those pierced by the sword, who go down to the stones of the pit, like a dead body trampled underfoot. You will not be joined with them in burial, because you have destroyed your land and have slain your people. May the offspring of evildoers never more be named. So in this passage, we're given insight into what caused Satan to be cast out of heaven, out of the presence of God. And it's, it was the emergence of self-will uh, in, in a created being. A being who was created, as I said, to live unto God. But something shifted in his heart. And he began to live unto himself. Unto self. No longer was everything he did toward 
or unto God. Now everything he did was toward or unto self. And the glorious creator, the God of heaven, could not have that in heaven. So he had to be cast out of heaven. And, and he, he lost his place. Uh, just look at all of those I will statements. Because that's, that's the epitome of, of self-will. And, and what we have to understand is there's we, we all were created with will, with a will. And, and our, our will in and of itself is, is not a bad thing. Our, our will is a necessary thing because our, our will is what chooses what direction we're going to go. It chooses what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. Uh, for example, some, sometimes uh, we just, uh, in, in my pursuit of God, sometimes I just say, I, I am setting my face like flint to go after this. And that's your will. That's, that's my will that, that says that. And, and it sets a course for, for our life. Where, where the will is corrupted is when the will becomes directed at self. And, and we, I mean, we're, we're seeing a, a very mature expression of self-will in, in our nation. Because where, where people have, have set their face like flint is, I'm going to do whatever I want, and nobody can tell me different. I'm going to have what I want, and nobody's going to stop. That is when the will becomes something inappropriate <laughs> something that is sinful something that becomes a great hindrance to our our following the Lord uh, and and he would have us live unto him moving toward him not having our, our eyes focused on our ourselves and, and what we want, our plans, our desires, uh, all of those things. And, and Jesus, he he showed us the way uh, to overcome this. He said, "Seek first the kingdom of heaven, and all these other things will be added." 
and uh, <clears throat> I'm going to read you something from uh, A.W. Tozer that, that I thought was, was good. It's one of the best things I've, I've read about uh, overcoming the self-life. And he said, to be specific, the self-sins are self-righteousness, self-pity, self-confidence, self-sufficiency, self-admiration, self-love, and a host of others like them. They dwell too deep within us and are too much a part of our natures to come to our attention until the light of God is focused upon them. The grosser manifestations of these sins, pride, egotism, self-promotion, narcissism, are strangely tolerated in Christian leaders even in circles of impeccable orthodoxy. You know, those who believe the right things. They are so much in evidence as actually, for many people, to become identified with the gospel. And oh boy, that's, that's a pain, painful statement. But I've seen it. These are so much in evidence in the church as actually for many people to become identified with the gospel. I trust it is not a cynical observation to say that they appear these days to be a, a requisite for popularity in some sections of the church visible. Promoting self under the guise of promoting Christ is currently so common as to excite little notice. Self is the opaque veil that hides the face of God from us. It can be removed only in spiritual experience, never by mere instruction. We may as well try to instruct leprosy out of our system. <laughs> there must be a work of God in destruction before we are free. We must invite the cross to do its deadly work within us. We must bring our self-sins to the cross for judgment. So I, I will read you uh, a little bit of Jesus' instruction on, on the matter. And then I think next week, uh, Lord willing, uh, we will look at the great example of Peter. Uh, he, he is he's such a great example of someone who trusted self 
excessively. Uh, but one who was brought out of that, uh, who was who was dealt with by the Lord and then restored by the Lord to to such an extent that he gave the first great evangelistic message of, of the church. So in in the midst of uh, one of his greatest or, or in, the, in the aftermath I guess of one of Peter's greatest victories uh, which is in Matthew 16 where he professed Jesus as the Christ, the, the Son of God. Uh, when moments later, Jesus had to tell him, "Get thee behind me, Satan." <laughs> uh, Jesus gave us uh, one of one of his most uh, prescriptive definitions of of being a follower. Okay. And that's what I'll leave you with today. Matthew 16, uh, 24 to 27. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will truly find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. So, uh, this week, Just meditate on uh, it's it's pretty easy to identify some of the sins of, of self. But there are others that are more subtle. And and so the, the challenge is to um, to find our identity in God and and, and we, we each are unique and individual persons. But to, to find out who we are 
apart from the sins of self. Because our culture has embraced all of those things of self. What's that? Right, right. <laughs> uh, so, so for us, it, I, I mean, I, I'm sharing this in in light of what I shared as as the full apostolic gospel last week. That Jesus died. And, and we are, are forgiven by receiving his sacrifice on our behalf. But that is only the beginning of the gospel, the forgiveness of sins. But God also is, is providing a means for us to be delivered from the part of us that is the root of nearly all sin which is self <laughs> uh, that our sinful self nature was actually killed on the cross with Jesus and that being a very important second part of, of the gospel message but then there, there also being the third part that hardly anyone even acknowledges as, as even being possible. Uh, and, and that being only available to those who have had self dealt with, <laughs> that the life, the, the true life of the Son of God can come forth in people once the self-nature has, has been dealt with. Because the, the, the thing about it is there, there's only room in a person for one will. Where, where there is still self-will, the life of God will only be there in a seed form. It will only come forth in, in a people who, who have had that self-will dealt with and who are living toward the will of God, seeking first the kingdom of heaven and considering others above ourselves some practical descriptions that are, are in the New Testament. So, <clears throat> um, I, I just think it's going to be helpful for us <laughs> to, to see the necessity of self being dealt with so that we can more easily cooperate with the Holy Spirit in His dealings with our, our flesh. Uh, and, and again, uh, the, the example of Reese Howells 
uh, in that book, Reese Howell's Intercessor, is it's, it's absolutely the best description of the, the dealings of the Holy Spirit with self within a person that I have ever seen or ever even heard of. How, how the Lord, I mean, finally brought him to that final place. Uh, and, and he couldn't even do it. He, he had to ask the Holy Spirit to pull him through. <laughs> uh, that, that final uh, stage of, of, having, of losing self-will. Of, of being lost to the will of God. And I, I believe that that is where the Lord is wanting us to go. And, and I, I believe for a group of people to, to go there there are some great things that are going to be restored. But it, it's going to be painful. I mean, it's, we, we've been in this process for, for a, a while now. <laughs> uh, and it has been painful. Uh, but we, we have not said no more. We have continued to say yes to the Lord, and and our our faith must be in Him, the One who works in us to will and to do according to His good pleasure. This is what He wants. He He very much wants to bring forth a people <laughs> in whom the life of His Son can come forth and that because that's going to change everything <laughs> as long as our will is submitted because <laughs> he doesn't force his way <laughs> yes Barbara <laughs> you can't climb down off the cross. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, let me pray, and, uh, and then we can close. Father in heaven, uh, we're so thankful that we can fully trust your goodness. And your goodness is, is like your love, which is without defect and, and without limit. And uh, we, we know that you 
self will is good <laughs> for us. Uh, so, Father, I ask you to give us revelation of the need of overcoming the flesh, overcoming the self-nature. Lord, help us to keep our eyes on, on the prize of having the life of your Son come forth in us for, for the sake of the world. So Lord, strengthen us in our inner being and give us that spirit of wisdom and revelation. Give us hearts to continue to say yes to you. Continue to pursue you. Give us the strength of will to set our face like flint toward you and say we're not going to be denied. We're going after you. So we just, we say we're going to do that. Help us, Holy Spirit. For the glory of the Son. Amen. Mm. Yes. guys who shared could uh, write those down and, and get those to, to my mom and Billy, that would be great. What's that? Ah, who has not been prophesied over yet? <laughs> Lou, I don't see your hand. <laughs> uh, would you like to? You, you, that, that's okay. Joy? You and Lynn? Okay. Joy and Lynn. <laughs> All right. Well, have a blessed uh, rest of the Father's Day. Uh, and go in uh, the presence of the Lord. <laughs>